Welcome to the Heartstream Musings podcast, a podcast to help you on your journey of self-love. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Francisco, a self-love coach and inner child guide. In the podcast, we'll dive deep on how to heal your inner child wounds, break your relationship patterns, and liberate your truth so you can claim the relationships in life that you deserve. Thanks so much for listening. I'm super excited that you're here. Hey, everybody. I hope you've been loving the podcast, Heartstream Musings. We're actually at the halfway point of season one. At first, it was only supposed to be six episodes, but I thought, you know what? Let's keep going. And for me, I'd love to hear what you think of this podcast. It's new for me. And so I'm always loving just taking feedback from people, what works, what you guys want to hear, what you're really passionate about, what you want help in. If you want to know any of my stories, I love, love, love hearing from you all. So for anyone that actually leaves me a written review on Apple Podcasts, I am offering a free one-hour EFT session. Normally, my EFT sessions with people for the very first time, if I'm meeting with them, they're $50. That's still a really great discounted price, but for anyone that does leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts and helps me get it on the map, I would love to offer you this free gift. If you haven't tried EFT, it's a great, great, great way to work with any energies behind your emotional triggers. It helps remove them from your body. Um, It's a really, really great somatic practice and tool. I'll share more about EFT, my journey with it, all that in another episode. But just know that if you leave a written review, I'm going to offer you a free session. So what you have to do is just screenshot your review and just send it to my email. My email is hello at lisamaycoaching.com and I'll hook you up with a free session. All right. Awesome. All right. So let's get on with today's episode. I'm super excited for this episode. Why? It's because I'm finally sharing the story of how I met my current partner, B. I drop bits and pieces here and there in my content, but I haven't shared it publicly in one sitting. I just keep alluding to it. And in the last episode where I shared about my egg freezing journey, I decided right then and there that this story would be a perfect follow-up episode. And I'm going to break it up in two parts because it's pretty long, but... This is just hands down one of my favorite stories to share because this relationship has made self-love very tangible for me. It really required me to go deeper into the wounds that I was still carrying and learn how to alchemize it for divine union with my partner. And ultimately, the relationship empowered me to get intimate with myself and just reclaim who I was and come back home to me. And I also have to mention that I did experience hiccups, which I'll talk about in the next episode of when I got on that whole twin flame train, it just became this thing. Um, But honestly, from that, just only learned lessons. So I hope that when you listen to this story, it will encourage you to trust in the divine process unfolding in your life. Seek the connection to your truth and your inner divine parent 
and ultimately just bring you closer to coming home to yourself, embodying who you are meant to be in this world and connecting to the real you. So anyways, let's jump to it. So I met my partner B in February of 2020. Everyone knows how significant that date is because it was literally a month right before COVID and the whole world just shut down. So I was in grad school at the time. I was also working full time and I would often just get so burnt out. I did not have any personal time for myself even just hanging out with friends because I was going to school on the weekends. So Monday through Friday, commuting to work, at work all day, and then Friday through Sunday, I was at school. So that was my life for three years. And so every once in a while, I would fit in, you know, time to hang out with my friends. But you know, in 2020, I had had a six month moratorium from dating and my school and workload were starting to lighten up. So I decided to get back on the apps for me. I know some people are just like, I will not meet a person on the apps. It's not organic. It's unnatural. But for someone who was really busy, I didn't have time to meet people in person. I was like, great, there's an app for this. Sign me up. I can swipe right and left from my bed. Like, this is awesome. This is efficiency. And so, you know, I was looking at my my wheel of life and I realized that romance was just non-existent. And so I wanted to dive back into it. And so I would just go on the apps, even though I was never consistent on them, but I figure, all right, let's, let's try to shake things up with the romance department. And so I ended up matching with my partner. Um, people always ask me the platform. I matched with him on Bumble. I, even though I was using Hinge at the time, but I was just on Bumble and we, we matched there. So we connected right away. We were DMing each other and it's always nice to chat on the app, but I mean, let's be real, not for too long. Otherwise you just feel like it becomes this emotional online connection. And you actually see it too, where people prefer to never meet in person because somehow that just allows them to stay in this projected fantasy of what your relationship is. I mean, I admit that I have done that before, right? I don't want to meet with people because it just felt, I don't know, it's just a perfect protective mechanism. And it just felt safer to not live in the reality of dating, but you could just have this like fake boyfriend. (laughs) Um, But that was not my situation with B. Uh, He and I just met up pretty quickly in person. And, you know, we ended up just grabbing lunch for our first date. And I hadn't been on a date in a while. So I was really nervous. But I just remember seeing him and how my nerves just immediately transformed into excitement and the possibility of a new connection with someone. And I hadn't been excited about someone in a while. And so it just felt really good to be in a room in a romantic setting. And, you know, so at this point in my dating life, I just had gotten really good at first dates. It's like when you go on an initial interview for a job with a recruiter, you know what topics to cover, what projects to highlight, stories to tell. And then it just, you know, kind of comes down to whether or not, or just like giving information before you go on like the actual job interview. And so for me, you know, after 
doing a lot of first dates, it kind of just came down to the experience of whether or not I vibed with a person. And so at the end of the date, this is actually advice, just always ask yourself, do you want to see them again? That's it. It's not, do you want to marry this person and be committed forever? Because 99% of the time it will be no. It's always easy to find fault with others if that tends to be your default and it's a defense mechanism or some shadow coming out. But it's a balance, right? And that comes down to knowing your true self, your wants, desires. So, you know, when you're going on dates, Maybe like, the, yeah, the first stage, try not to future trip. Don't focus on that one thing that the other person said that will make or break your future relationship because when you start to future trip, it's when you're in trouble. And so I actually got that advice from my therapist and I actually use it with my clients too. So, you know, when I was with B, I got really present with him and the relationship. It wasn't like, oh, are we going to be married 10 months from now? No, no. I literally just tried to be present, enjoyed our conversation. I was myself. And at that point for me, I also wanted to move abroad right after grad school. I love traveling. I love experiencing new cultures. And sometimes I would actually withhold that information because most people I dated wouldn't move forward with me knowing that I wanted to live abroad because they didn't want to move abroad. And, you know, that's understandable, but I didn't want to hide anything. And I thought, you know, because he's actually from another country, he's from Denmark, if anything, he might be able to connect with connect me with people in Copenhagen or other parts of Europe, especially Amsterdam, because that was the city I was really, really, really trying to move to. I visited in 2019. I just absolutely fell in love with the place. And so there's just that, you know, and when you date someone for the first time, there's just that vast space of being in the void. When you first date someone you just kind of get that high of when they text you, you check your phone, hoping that they'll respond to you, but you also get irritated when it's one of your friends or someone you know, and you think about who else they're dating. You think about, are you going on that second date with them? Or did they actually just ask you out on a second date to be nice? And then you have that fear of liking them more than they like you. So then you try to act super chill and not give a fuck. And it just becomes this whole game, which I think most of you can relate to. And so anyways, I had all of those feelings. And for me, it was just about trying to have a different experience, knowing that I was in control of how I was responding to the feelings that come up and trying to embody this feeling of being secure, especially in the beginning stages of a relationship. Because for me personally, I had a hard time moving past the hump of the three-month initial dating phase where you're trying to figure out if it will get past the dating and transition into commitment. And so it becomes more about the actual, will they, won't they commit to me instead of you deciding whether or not you want to be with them. And so something really important to ask yourself when you're in the first couple months of dating is, you know, do I want to see this person again? And asking yourself, you know, how can I choose 
myself in the relationship and getting information of whether or not you choose that person to be a part of your life. Because oftentimes people want to be chosen. They don't want to choose. And when you do that, you're giving away your power. And so, you know, and people talk about conscious dating, but let's talk about like consciously empowered dating, right? Empowered dating to make a choice and not be reactive in the emotions. And so feeling like you have emotional balance when you're in the relationship. And so for me, knowing that about myself, that I tend to have my anxious attachment system activated when I do date someone for the first couple of months, I just really wanted to be present with this person and not lose myself in that idea of wanting to be chosen. And so, you know, having all of these feelings, I just didn't want to give into my fears. And I sat with them when they came up. So that's how this experience was already different for me. So instead of trying to have the other person validated me, I validated my own feelings. So whenever I would think, oh my gosh, is this person going to text me or not? Um, Understanding the underlying thing is that my inner child just wanted to be chosen, be special, be loved, all that stuff. So I learned to give that to myself. And the interesting thing is I actually see it on The Bachelor too. I was, I love watching The Bachelor and I was watching it the other day and it was one of the girls who just kept harping on not getting a one-on-one date. And I know it's so important to get a one-on-one date, especially when you're on The Bachelor because it kind of signifies whether or not the person wants to, you know, experience you in an individual setting. But it was more of like, do you care about getting to know this person as a human being? Or is it just about what the one-on-one signifies of your worth? And so sometimes I got caught up in that of like, if I am asked for a commitment, then it means I am worthy of love or they see me as worthy of like being the chosen one. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm sure all of y'all can relate to me about this. (laughs) And I'm sure there's a bunch of head nods. Um, Anyways, it's, it's just, you know, learning to not lose your center of gravity when you are dating and emotions are high stakes. So I learned to validate my own feelings anytime something came up for me. And at that time, I'd been doing inner child healing for two years. So I had those tools to help me when I could feel myself wanting to act out on these fears and just false stories in my head, especially when I thought about if he was dating other people. But, you know, we ended up going on a second date. And during the date, I was just focusing on being present, not trying to focus so much on, you know, okay, if I, it's so funny. Like if I do well on this date, I'll get a second date. It's like getting an A on a test. And then like, I don't know, you get bumped up to a next level. I don't even know. It's like a game, but anyways. So, you know, it was very interesting because on our second date, uh, we just had, we discussed so many things that we had in common, which I thought were unique to us as individuals. And it kind of just connected us in this esoteric way. And I found it pretty remarkable to me about how unique our similarities were because I never had that with anyone I've romantically been linked to. And I just got even more excited about this guy. And so 
you know, we slowly start opening up to one another and sharing more of ourselves. And I'll just never forget that on one of our, you know, next dates, he gave me a handwritten note telling me how much that he liked me. And I'm a writer. I do handwritten notes and I love sending cards. So when I got that from him, it just meant everything to me. I thought it was so sweet. No one had ever done that to me. That was I mean, the only, per- only people that would do that for me are like people that was already committed to. And so I just thought that was really, really sweet. And it was in that moment when literally everything changed because I felt safe to let my guard down even more. And I mean, let's be real. It's because he told me he liked me first. I mean, I'm human. Sometimes you just need the other person to validate you. (laughs) Also, in addition to the inner child work that I hope you're doing too. But that was one of the first lessons he taught me just to not be afraid to share my feelings and that I can express myself regardless of the other person and despite the outcome, just like he did that I can lead by my own example. And that way you're not waiting for anyone and you're leading your own life and you can set the precedence for how others treat you. And so it was just an interesting testament to, you know, oftentimes I'll respond to how others treat me. And then I'll think of like, I'll I'll establish that as rules of like, can I really be myself in this situation or not? How are they making the safe, like the, the space safe for me and all this stuff. But for him to just take the lead and just share his truth without even knowing how I felt was just, it really changed my perspective on that. And so anytime that I think about, you know, certain situations about how vulnerable do I want to be granted, you want to make sure that the person isn't an asshole, um, that they have to earn your trust, but then also having the cognizance of, okay, you can share your truth, but doesn't necessarily have to rely on how someone responds to you, that you can stand in your own worth and that abandonment doesn't exist or will exist because you've got you. And so that's ultimately kind of like how self-love can be grounded in this dating realm. But Anyways, so in between our dates, I had these moments to myself of when I would revisit back to my idealist of who I wanted my partner to be, and he had fit majority of what I'd put on there. And I was shocked because this has this list has been many years in the making. I mean, ever since I lived in New York, maybe, oh God, I want to say 2014. 2014, I met him 2020. Yeah. So six years in the making, (laughs) six years in the making folks. Um, and I remember even sharing that list with my girlfriends and she said, um, girl, I don't know how you're going to find this person because this seems like a really hard list for anybody to fulfill. You need to change your criteria. And I admit it ebbed and flowed throughout the years. And I was often editing it and changing it, modifying it because I just use dating as a way to inform me of what it is that I truly wanted. And so that's when like, you know, I would have these moratoriums of after dates that I would go on and um, think about what it is that I truly wanted. And so to find that when I had looked back at my list that he had met majority of them, I just was so shocked because, you know, he had just kind of fell in my lap 
when I wasn't hardcore looking, but I think it was just a reflection of all of the inner work I did up to that point of being in the field, dating, working on myself that just informed my idealist and actualizing this person into my ether. And so it's just a reminder that even if you don't see anything manifesting in this material realm, just know that doing the deep inner work and visiting higher planes of consciousness and having the courage to go into the underworld are paving the way for your seeds to fruition. So just trust. And that's what this quote means of as above, so below. So what happens in the spiritual realm will happen and manifest and appear in the material realm. And so just know that, you know, sometimes it's hard to do the work and you don't see anything happening, but it will happen. Just trust and have faith and just don't give up. Just really don't give up. So, you know, we were going on just even more beautiful dates where I just felt really seen, right? Just really acknowledged by this person, really safe to open up and just kind of blossom. And I just felt how I felt that I always wanted to be in partnership with someone that I saw I guess on TV or I read in books, but I never had actually experienced it in my life. And so it was very cosmic at the time. And I felt like I was just living in this dream world. And I guess it was kind of cool that it happened to be spring. It was er like spring came early that year. And it just felt like such the most magical time that I'd ever experienced with anybody in my life. But because prior to be, I had a lot of fears around being in a relationship because I was just so afraid I'd end up with someone who was emotionally neglectful. I had been in many, many relationships like that. And I just didn't want to repeat those experiences from my patterns and, you know, my subconscious belief was that I was afraid of just intimacy. I was afraid of being abandoned. I was afraid of showing my true self because I thought the other person wouldn't like me. I just somehow intrinsically thought that I was defective. So I just had really low feelings of self-worth that prevented me from showing who I truly was because I thought the other person wouldn't like me. And for me, I realized, well, the antidote to that is learning to love and like myself. That is why I'm so passionate about self-love because even though you want these things in your life, none of that's going to happen until you work on the relationship to yourself. It's kind of like going to a doctor with health issues. And a lot of the times they'll tell you that you have to get your baseline of, you know, your, your healthy baseline to a certain point so that they can address all those issues. And so I just, you know, firmly, firmly, you know, am such a huge proponent of self-love. But anyways, we just, you know, kept continuing to date, share who we are or who we, you know, were with each other. And everything was just unfolding so organically with no agenda, but sincere, sincere appreciation for just each other's presence. And I do admit 
I did keep pushing and wanting to know a lot about his previous relationships, you know, because for me, I thought, how the fuck is this guy single? He's way too good to be true. This is so weird that I found him on the app because let's be real, majority of the time, people who are on the app want to get over someone or like they're just, it's just like they're not looking for something serious. But you know what? You never know. I, I I did meet a handful of people who have met on the app that are serious relationships. They've gotten married, all that stuff. But I just wanted to know his baggage. <laughs> um, and I mean, in retrospect, personally, I don't want to know about exes other than how does that you know, relationship influence, our relationship in the present moment, just what wounds you didn't heal. So I know how it's going to show up in our relationship. And how can my relationship with you just help me heal those wounds? And also as my own protective mechanism to knowing what I'm actually getting into. You know, I wish people came with MSRP sheets, just like they do in cars. <laughs> you can know all the deets about previous relationships, mental health, friends, inner work they've done. Like that would be amazing. Even referrals or reviews from their exit from their exes. So you know what happened. <laughs> but you know, I think ultimately what it came down to when I reflect on what made me fall in love with him so quickly was that. I believed that he loved me in the way that I always wanted my caretakers to love me. And I knew that this feeling was very, very dangerous because it was like the antidote to all of my emotional ailments and wounds. And so, you know, the one thing that I've been searching for my whole life and I put it on this person to fulfill this need and I projected it onto him. But, you know, that's honestly the reason why I fell in love super quickly and also you know, because of infatuation too. (laughs) But I had never had a man adore me the way he had shown me in those three weeks that we dated. I know it's, it's kind of crazy because it was only three weeks and eight dates, (laughs) but I swear those dates, they just felt so unreal. Like as if I had known him forever and time just didn't exist at all. And, um, you know, as you all know, COVID happened and the world was shutting down. The borders were closing. And instead of him staying in SF, he decided to go back to Denmark to be with his family. And this was actually the first time where I didn't take the situation personally. I mean, who could? The, the borders were closing, all that stuff. But what I didn't take personally was attaching meaning to him not staying, right? That him not staying didn't mean that it was a reflection of me and my worth, that he didn't stay because I wasn't that great. He didn't stay because he didn't see a future with me. You know, it's like all these meanings that we attach to certain things of why someone loves us, why someone doesn't, that somehow reflects our true worth of like our humanity and lovableness. And for me, that was just fucking growth. If anything, I started to realize why the universe had brought this man into my life. And it was to level up my expectations of what I thought I deserved because for the longest time, I just didn't feel worthy of the type of person I wanted to call in. And I just remember it so vividly 
it was our second to last day together and he had gone out and ran an errand. And I remember being upstairs on the balcony to get to his building and he had called my name and I just looked down at him on his bike and thought, oh my God, this is it. This is what I want. This is what I could always have because it's happening now. And so a new bar was just being set before my eyes. And it was so bittersweet because at that moment, he was still in my life in, you know, in front of me, but it was being taken away from me right before my eyes. And it was just so painful. I don't know about you, but I just have a really hard time saying goodbye to people. I've always been that way ever since I was a little kid, even when my, um, my cousins, they would sleep over and then they would leave. I would just get really, really sad and sentimental and I would miss their presence being there. And I have always been like that as a kid. And so to have this person that I spent a lot of time with just not be in my world anymore and know that they weren't going to be in my world anymore and not know when they would be again in front of me was really painful. I think sure you have unrequited love of a person not reciprocating the same feelings, but I think the love that's bittersweet or more painful is the love that never actualized because you can project your fantasies of what it could be. And it never got to that point of you deciding to part ways, but circumstances just parted you and it just is the wrong timing. So it was just so bittersweet. And you know, almost every memory that we had before I took him to the airport, I just tried to burn it into my brain so I wouldn't forget. So, you know, I was just thinking, okay, I don't want to forget what he looked like, what he smelled like, how it felt to hold his hand, how it felt to kiss him, just everything. And you know, we had spent the last couple of weeks just spending time together in our own little world, staring to each other's souls where time was literally frozen when, when we were next to each other. And if you've ever been with anyone that has made you feel like that, it's very, very rare. And so on the last day, we agreed to write each other goodbye letters and we didn't read them until after I dropped him off at the airport, but he wrote me the most beautiful letter about what it meant for him to be in my presence. And I had written him a card, but I also gave him a gift and I called it the time pocket because it symbolized the suspension of time that we had in each other's presence. And I wrote down all my favorite memories so he could always revisit it when we were apart. And that was pretty bold of me, but I intuitively knew at that time that I was just meant to be with him. I actually have, for for anyone who loves human design, in my chart, I have gate 61 defined and it's all about inner truth. And I've always known as a kid that I had these superpowers, these special powers, um, always this intuitive knowing. And I didn't realize later on in life that that was called claircognizance. And so that just means you have this sense of inner knowing and truth that's beyond logic and reason. And um, 
I, I, I like, I feel it in my body. And so with B, I just knew that I was meant to be with him. I didn't know how or when that would actually happen, but I just knew in my heart and my bones that I would just be with him. Couldn't explain it to you. It was just, it was just like it was written. It was just, that was facts, you know, but when he left, it was one of the biggest attachment ruptures that I'd ever experienced, um, you know, currently. And so every abandoned womb that I had felt was coming up to the surface with him leaving. And it was a very dark time of feeling abandoned, not only by him, but feeling like I was by the universe, by the divine. And it you know, it was definitely hard. It was very, very hard, but I'm going to stop right there. I know cliffhanger. (laughs) Um, because I want to save it for the next episode where I'm going to talk about the separation period and just some of the tools that I had used to heal during that time. All he and I weren't speaking what I did. How did I really anchor that self-love practice and how I had to develop a new practice with myself in just a much deeper, tangible way. But thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my story about my experience. And I hope that this episode just gives you hope and a glimmer into what your first couple of months of dating could be like with a new person and just how to not let go of who you are when the emotions can be really heightened, especially when the desire to be wanted, to be chosen, to be seen comes up and you forget that it's also a co-creation and a co-decision of whether or not you choose the other person to be in your life as well. But I hope this episode serves you. I'm going to talk more in my next episode, so stay tuned about how my relationship with B evolves. But if you want to work with me, you can check out my website, lisamaycoaching.com. I have a page where I list all my offerings and events. So the best way to stay connected though is to subscribe to my newsletter. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, I'll send you a free inner child worksheet to start your journey of connecting to the little you. In my newsletter, I share weekly self-love tips, tools, and offerings on how to work with me. But before I end this episode and I sign off, here's my question for you today. So what are you doing to fill your self-love cup and connect to the little you? All right. I'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.